Welcome to Bang the Table Talks, a podcast that discusses the evolving world of community engagement. Explore and learn with us as we host conversations with leaders in community engagement, stakeholder consultation, and public participation. We'll discuss current trends, best practices, as well as tips, tools, and ideas for better engagement programs. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bang the Table Talks. My name is Casey Earp, and I'm a territory manager here at Bang the Table USA in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. I've been with Bang the Table for three years now, and I, in my role, I primarily help our clients uh, here in the U.S. understand and implement online community engagement programming. Today, I'm excited to have Nick Tittle joining us from Cartograph and Sustainovation. Um, and as a quick introduction to Nick, for those of you who are not familiar, he is an individual of many talents, is very well known here in the U.S. and the local government space. Nick is an award-winning government performance and innovation coach and has spent over a dozen years in local government here in Colorado at the city of Colorado Springs and in Adams County. He spent time building and scaling his own company, and his LinkedIn gives homage to an eight-month walkabout he took in 2013. I think during that time he was developing some of his training around sustainability. Nick now helps local government across the country get organized around improving their performance through Cartograph's High Performance Government Initiative and that training uh, that we just spoke about, which he developed over his eight-month hiatus, which has now become best-selling book and training through his program called Sustainovation. Welcome, Nick. Well, How thanks. are you today? <laughs> I'm doing good, Casey. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. And I think I think Nick's actually joining us from uh, another nice, uh, beautiful part of Colorado, getting outside for a couple minutes this afternoon. And just wanted to kind of say a big thank you right off the bat, Nick, and ask you, how'd I do? Did I cover everything in that intro? I, I think you did. You did great, Casey. And that's definitely my professional resume I, in a nutshell. That was great. Um, I think the only other things I'd add, I, I'm an avid barbecue cook and disc golfer, too. So for any of you that are disc golfers and love barbecue, we could chat. Excellent. That's great. And what, what a time of year to be, be doing both of those things here in Colorado. It's about 95 and sunny. So uh, a lot of barbecuing happening and, and the disc golf, I'm sure, is great. I want to kind of jump right into some of the discussion around a high-performance government. I think Cartograph calls it HPO or HPG. And I want to kind of just talk about the philosophy and an overview of what you do with most of your clients and kind of the, the themes that you try to impart on them during your conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when we talk at Cartograph about high-performance government, part of what we try and do is help people understand what we call the five tenets, which are building effective and innovative teams, uh, building efficient processes, creating measurable, actionable results, doing it in a way that's clear and accountable to our residents, um, and then engaging our community. We do this because you know, it's the role of government to do together that which we cannot or should not do alone. And we feel that these five tenants are the things that allow governments to really elevate and deliver services to citizens in the best way possible. That's amazing. Thank you for the, the quick overview. When you're out traveling around with, with Cartograph and, and delivering this training, um, are there key things that you, you try to impart on your client organizations? Yeah, yeah. For me, what I try to get them to understand is that it's okay if you're not where you want to be right now. You know, this is a journey, not a destination. You know, the concept of high performance government is a commitment that we make to continue, you know, continue to better ourselves. And so 
you know, lots of times what I find is that there's good intention, but people lack the skills or the tools to be able to do it. So part of what my goal is, is to come in and help people understand the philosophy, train them on some skills and tools that they can use, and then help try and entrench it in their organization and make sure that that's part of the culture of what they're doing going forward. And we, we tend to see some good results. Yeah, so many times you come in and you don't know how uh, things are going to be adopted after you leave. So when you're working with different folks across each of these organizations, are there are there key roles and in individuals that tend to build out the room or is this something that works across the entire organization? Definitely across the whole organization. You know, that's the goal of the five tenants is that they're not specific designed to, you know, public works or or to, you know, any specific part of the organization, but we want the whole organization to grow because that's what creates the right culture for it. So for us, our goal is to get in there, help entrench these characteristics into an organization and, and, and really help deliver on that message. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, the more people bought into the, uh, the philosophy, the better, right? Absolutely. So one of the questions that I, I was kind of jotting down before we jumped on the call today is, is something that we all deal with in the local government space, but I think our listeners around the world would be curious to hear about any objections you might hear to some of the, the tenants and the philosophies that you talk about with each of your clients. Are there a few that you hear relatively frequently, um, and how do you address those? Yeah, you know... There's a couple that come up as sort of general themes. Probably the first one is, is I don't have time for that, you know, to which I would just argue on the front, you don't have time not to, um, would, be, would be my honest answer to that. But when we talk yeah. about people saying, I don't have time for that, that's part of why we you know, teach skills on productivity and time management as part of the overall building effective and innovative teams, because you know, we waste a lot of time in meetings. We work on projects that aren't true priorities for the organization or for our communities. And helping people get work off their plate so they can tackle the things that need to be tackled that are truly important is part of, part of something that, that I try and encourage. Um, I think the other fallacy that I hear a lot is that we don't have money, so we can't do it, right? Or, or mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of mentalities. And, and the nice part is, is a lot of what we do with high-performance government isn't about money. It's about rethinking how we're committing resources currently. So it's not that we need necessarily more money, although that certainly helps but we can enact these principles without having additional funding to be able to do it. And that's part of what I want people to understand is you can do all the right things and you don't have to have a lot of money to be able to do it, but a lot of commitment and, and, uh, and our eyes on the prize can really help us get there. And so that's why we try and teach the hands-on tools related to time management, productivity, prioritizing projects and help people understand real tools that help them get the work off their plate and allow them to get the stuff that they could and should be doing on their plate. Yeah, that's amazing. And and just sort of building on that, you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you about, and I don't want to go too far into it because, you know, anyone out there that's listening can can get a hold of Nick uh, either through the, the HPO site or through his site called Sustainovation again. But are there a few things that you could talk about here that are kind of easy first steps for people that want to build a, a culture of transparency and create some space for you know, more design thinking, you know, iteration and things like that. You know, when it, and, and there's two questions inside of that. So let me tackle them separately. Because I think when we talk transparency, yeah. there's a different equation there than when we talk design thinking. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when it comes to easy steps for, for transparency, you know, there's no better way than just to start doing it. So even if your culture isn't ready for it, part of what we have to do is shift organizational cultural thinking. And that means we can do that on an individual level and put individuals in a place where they can be responsible for producing and demonstrating results. 
So for me, yeah. it's, about, it's about taking the accountability with yourself and saying, okay, I believe in building better government. I believe in creating transparency. And so I'm going to commit to putting my results out there in a public way so that people know whether I'm winning or whether I'm losing. And when we really boil it down to, to that level, um, make it public, let people know what you're doing, what the goal is and how you're doing. Am I winning at it or am I losing at it? It, it creates an accountability culture that starts to permeate. And I found that over time, people who start to build those clarity initiatives in start to get a lot more recognition. And then all yeah. of a sudden the culture shifts from, you know, nobody's doing it. So nobody does do it to wait a second, you know, Tom and Jane are getting a lot of recognition for the work they're doing because they're making themselves accountable and transparent. I should be doing the same thing. And so we start to see that cultural shift. And that's the nice part about it is it doesn't have to be the whole organization buying in. It can be individuals who adopt these principles starting to make meaningful differences. And then the flywheel starts to shift the other direction and we see people start to adopt more and more. From a transparency perspective, I think that's important. And, and from a design thinking perspective, you know, we're looking for a similar kind of concept, which is a culture that tries. And so I'm big on pilot programs and pilot projects being mechanisms to prove concepts and then scaling and building off of those. So to my mind, it's about starting to establish pilot programs where you try out concepts mm -hmm. with the expectation of learning new things. So you don't need a lot of space. You just need to declare that you're piloting something, that you're going to try something new, that you're going to track a result to determine yeah. whether it wins or loses. And then you'll go back and go back and determine, um, is this working or is this not working the way we intended and what should we do about it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really, really interesting. It's, it's very similar to a lot of the conversations I think we have with our clients here in the U.S., a bit of a different culture than, than some of the other territories Bang the Table operates in. Community engagement still relatively new for a lot of folks. So it's, it's always about creating the space for people to feel comfortable in sort of that pilot trial phase. So I really like those sort of concepts as a, as a broader theme for high performance government. And it kind of leads directly into a question I, I definitely want to ask you is kind of where are the crossroads uh, between community engagement and high performance government in kind of your training and, and, you know, speak to kind of some of the importance of, you know, how one kind of supports the other. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> from a high performance government perspective, community engagement is the fifth tenant for a reason. You know, um, we could do a lot of things right, but if we're not engaging our community, then we're missing the boat entirely. Part of our challenge as government is to end the intrinsic fear that people have of government. And the only ways to do that is to create clarity around what it is we're doing by becoming good storytellers. And at the same time, we need to, to reach out to the public and let them know, one, these, this is what we're doing. <laughs> You've entrusted us, yeah. and now here's what we're doing with it. But the other part is um, asking the right questions at the right time, right? So it's not, you know, community engagement can be a very tricky thing. And I know a lot of people struggle with it, but, you know, let's do some simple stuff, right? If we're not, if we don't have a mobile friendly site, we're not in people's phones, which is 67% of transactions that occur today are on someone's mobile phone, right? So we're yeah. already missing the boat if we're not in their phone. But when it comes to engagement, I see people who want to do a community survey but don't want to follow up on the results. Or I see people who want to do robust input processes on something they've already decided on. Those are the wrong types of community engagement. So it's important for us to find the right types of community engagement. I know that Bang the Table 
spends time with its customers, helping them understand the right types of community engagement. So I'd almost flip the question around on you, Casey, and say, what, what have you seen, you know, in terms of great, great practices related to community engagement? And why do you think it's important to high performance government? Yeah, and I think you, you kind of hit the, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, we work with all of our clients, you know, whether they're, they're large or small organizations to make sure that they're not doing uh, a lot of the things we find ourselves doing as kind of check the box exercises. You know, the, the biggest thing that you can, you know, really, really uh, hurt your relationship with your community through is engaging on something that you already have a desired outcome. Um, and you already have a plan uh, established and you're not going to let them impact that particular plan. And it's okay to have, you know, mandated directions or directions in a a program or a policy that you um, have to follow. Uh, There's a lot of things, whether it's engineering guidelines or uh, fiscal restraints are, are going to determine the direction that you can go, but you have to own that up front and make sure it's really clear for your community as to where they're going to impact uh, a plan or a program or a policy um, and how they can do that in an efficient and effective way. But one of the biggest things, and you, and you mentioned this, that, that we talk about is going to where people are and people are online. Any sort of background ESL audiences, so uh, for our uh, global audience, that's English as a second language audiences, anyone that needs uh, to use a screen reader or does better with sort of visual preference type of surveys uh, in terms of their engagement. Um, we try to make it very easy for folks to participate and uh, embed different images and things like that. So um, you really create a space that's equitable and inclusive to every audience. And one of the coolest places I've seen doing this is uh, the city of Longmont here in Colorado, really describing through Engagement HQ exactly how each process is going to be run through their site. It's unique to every single project on their site um, and exactly where people can impact those outcomes. And that, I think, you know, broadly speaking too, and I kind of want to get your opinion on this, that um, one of the biggest things that, that we talk about that we don't always happening is not only keeping people up to date on kind of progress on a project, but also closing the feedback loop and I'm curious to how you kind of nudge people toward, hey, it's not just enough to do a survey. You got to, you know, publish the results and let everyone know that participated, how they, how they impacted the final outcome. Oh, yeah, I, can, <clears throat> I completely agree with that. I, I definitely think that that's a gap I see all the time. You know, when I do sustaination work, Casey, lots of times when people want to innovate and build that sustainable innovation, they, they start to land on a default. Um, and it's this mindset of, oh, well, I'll do a suggestion box, right? Or some variation yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. And I always discourage people from that yeah. because very rarely do people get a suggestion box and then create a feedback loop that closes it. So an idea comes in and it's almost always worse, like you kind of indicated, to ask for an idea if I have no intention of following up on it. Yeah. Or if that feedback loop isn't large enough or isn't robust enough for me to make sure that you feel communicated back with because it may be that you have a great idea, but now is not the right time or there's not enough funding and making sure that we articulate what that looks like is incredibly important for people feeling satisfied and trust and trusting in their government. I think that's something that people miss all the time and it doesn't take a ton of effort. It does take effort. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, and that's a great kind of segue. You know, one of the one of the other questions, you know, one of the final things that we kind of I wanted to really get out of this conversation for our listeners is, you know, when you're when you're kind of having these discussions about a change in organizational sort of uh, operations and culture, how do you make sure that uh, when you leave that organization or, or, or that local government, like that they're going to actually follow through with it and, um, and they're going to use the framework and, and the lessons that you've taught them, you know, through these different trainings. Yep. And that's a great question, you know, and, and, you know, let's be honest, right. The onus is on the communities to do the follow-up work and that's the hard work. Right. Mm-hmm. But as somebody, as somebody who does the high performance government work, when I work with Cartographs customers, as an example, uh, they have customer success managers, whose job it is to help our customers on their journey. So we're not just selling you a product or software to help you with asset management or workflow. We're helping you along your journey. So it's not just product, right? But it's, it's about the people, it's about the process mm-hmm. and the product and helping people wrap all that together. So our customer success managers create a cadence and a follow-up and do either monthly or um, in some cases quarterly follow-ups just to check in and see how they're going. I find that it doesn't take much more than that. If you have a dedicated group of people who are really interested in making a change, just that cadence, just that regular conversation reminds them and and tickles their mind that this is something that I should commit to and that it's important. And if I have an obstacle, there's somebody here to help me who's been through it before, right? And that's part of the challenge is sometimes you feel like alone and lost in the wilderness. And I, I would almost bet that the challenge you're facing is one that I've seen before, or at least something that other communities that I'm aware of could help you with. So that's part of it for me is just making sure we do that. One other thing I want to tag onto that is that entrenching it in the culture, because you hit on this a little bit, Casey, and, and I think it's important. You know, how do we entrench it in the culture? And that's why this isn't designed for one department. What we do is designed for the entire group. And it's not a level in the organization, right? It's not like I deal with directors only. I deal with staff yeah. level employees. And What I'm interested in is what I call the coalition of the willing. Those people who want to see the change happen. We get that group together and empower them with those tools and help them be accountable to each other. And it's always about finding the people who want to find a way to get to yes. Don't deal, when you start off, never deal with the people who are the naysayers, even if they're high up in the organization. Don't start with the no people. You you might not be able to change them. Start with as many yes people as you can and create a movement. And once you have momentum and get those small wins leading to those bigger wins, all of a sudden people will get on board after you succeed, not before. So once you start to tick off the wins, you you know, all of a sudden you see the culture start to shift around you, whether they want it to or not. Um, yeah. So yeah. I'm a little bit of the, uh, I promote the guerrilla warfare inside the organization for positive <laughs> cultural change, I guess would be how I'd say it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, it's very similar to kind of the public facing side of community engagement. I mean, we're always asked, you know, how do you build your database? How do you build your audience? And it's the exact same thing. Find people that want to participate make sure you celebrate their input. Make right. sure people know that, um, when they come to your site or to your program or to your process, your charrette or whatever it might be, uh, that they're actually going to impact that outcome. And when you do that over and over again, and you build that rapport, more people start to pay attention. And there's so many cool creative ways that you can do it through branding and, and, and marketing and things like that. 
but you know, at the core, it's the exact thing that you're talking about. Find the coalition of the willing internally that are going to go out and champion uh, these processes and then go out and find your audience, go to where they're at, um, go to the coffee shops, go to the parks and uh, have conversations. And so with that, Nick, I, you know, I really, really appreciate the time today. I think the one last thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, uh, unless you have any other key sort of themes that you want to discuss is just kind of talk about what's next for you and for uh, the H- HPG and, and sustaination where you're going the summer uh, and into the fall um, where people can find you. Yeah, that's great, Casey. I, I think there's one other thing I want to share, which is, you know, just a little bit of how, how do I as an individual start to make that difference? And what's the, the easiest way to lean in on that, that clarity yeah. and that community engagement? And I think it's, to me, it's, it's start with a good story that you know. You know, yeah. we're doing, no matter how maybe less functional your organization is than you'd like it to be, there are always great stories to tell. And government is a terrible storyteller. We use government speak which is a terrible idea, right? We say big yeah. words that yeah. mean nothing to the, hum- you know, to the human population we try and serve, <laughs> yeah. right? So speak yeah. like a human and think about one great story that you can share with your neighbors or even with your coworkers so they know more about the work you're doing because if we can't tell the story, nobody's going to tell it for us. So we've got to get better at doing that. So to me, that is a really easy, quick win for a lot of organizations is just find a great story that you're already doing and share it widely so that everybody's aware of it. And that at least helps to start build that trust, which helps to foster better community engagement and, and so on and so forth. So for the listeners out there looking to get started as a, as a solo act, find a great story and tell it like a human. Um, yeah, that's and, great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. As far as what's next for uh, sustainability and high performance government, uh, we've got a workshop coming up here in, uh, in Arlington, Texas on September 11th, a half-day workshop. Um, because of the sponsorship of Cartograph and Bang the Table, we're bringing that free. And so we're going to teach some people hands-on tools. I, I think there's only a handful of spaces left. We're nearly sold out for it, so excited for that. Um, on the sustainability side of the equation, I head to Ohio next week to continue training out there, do some continued work with Allen, Texas. Um, I've hit 38 cities this year and I think I've got another 12 to go before the year is done. Um, oh, for wow. me right now, for me right now, what I'm really trying to do, Casey, is help people understand what it takes to build sustainable innovation into government. And so I'm doing as much speaking and training and, um, as much engagement, even mentoring and coaching as I can on that topic. Um, because I see it start to catch on and I see once the light bulb goes off, communities make big impactful differences and it's really exciting to see. So so that's where I am on the sustainability side. On the cartograph side, we've got a lot of customers that are really working through high-performance government. We're doing a, a long-term pilot with the city of Dubuque, and the results they're generating there are just out of this world great. So I'm sure we'll tell that story a little later on in the year. Um, but trip to Salt Lake City to, to visit with them on high-performance government and a few others. Um, again, just trying to spread the message and the word, because I, I know just like you, I, I believe in great government, and I believe that what we do changes the lives of millions of people. And so it's incumbent upon us to do the best we can to help them along their journey. And I'm honored to work with local government professionals, as I know you are. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better. Uh, that that travel schedule sounds sounds amazing. Uh, you've been all over the country. Uh, it's so cool to get out and see see different parts of the country that you might not necessarily go to uh, unless you have opportunities like this. And we we yeah, so grateful to get to work with the amazing people in local government and all the people out there doing really great things like yourself. Um, and again, I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes out of your day to, 
to join me this afternoon. And then I'll let you sign off. But I just want to say thanks again, Nick, to all our listeners out there. Please take a look at our, our events page if, if you're interested in joining us with, with Nick here in, in, in Texas coming up in just a few weeks or look for any of our upcoming events uh, that you can sign up for. And with that, I'll go ahead and, and sign off. Uh, thanks again, Nick. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Casey. And thanks to all the Bang the Table customers out there. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Bang the Table Talks. Join us for future conversations as we explore the capacity and insight that online engagement has to offer. Check out our other learning resources at bangthetable.com.